Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global affairs. Scott Cleland is the executive director of the Restore Us Institute. We'll visit with Scott as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several novels. His latest, No Problem. It is September the 26th. It is Rosh Hashanah at the opening of the Jewish High Holidays. Holidays. And on this day in 1960, for the first time in U.S. history, a debate between major political parties, the presidential candidates, was shown on television. The hopefuls, of course, John F. Kennedy, a Democrat senator of Massachusetts, and Richard M. Nixon, the vice president of the United States, met in Chicago's studio to discuss U.S. domestic matters. Kennedy emerged the, uh, the apparent winner from the first of four televised debates, partly owing to his greater ease before the camera than Nixon, who, unlike Kennedy, seemed nervous and declined to wear makeup. Nixon fared better in the second and third debates, and on uh, October the 21st, the candidates met to discuss foreign affairs, and in their fourth and final debate, uh, less than uh, three weeks later, on November the 8th, Kennedy won 49.7% of the popular vote in one of the closest presidential elections in U.S. history, surpassing by a fraction the 49.6% received by uh, Nixon. One year after leaving the vice presidency, Nixon returned to politics, winning the Republican nomination for governor of California. Although he lost the election, Nixon returned to the national stage in 1968 in a successful bid for the presidency. Unlike Lyndon Johnson in 1964, Nixon declined to debate his opponent in 1968 presidential campaign. Televised presidential debates returned in 1976 and have been held every presidential campaign since. And I'm sure we can look forward to that. Be interesting to see uh, who emerges on the stage as our presidential candidates. Governor Ron DeSantis on Saturday declared a state of emergency for Florida as Tropical Storm Ian gathers strength over the Caribbean and is expected to bring heavy rains and intense hurricane winds to the state this week. He initially issued the emergency order for two dozen counties on Friday, but now has expanded the warning to an entire state, encouraging residents and local governments to prepare for a storm that could lash uh, large swaths of Florida. Uh, looked like we were out of the cone of uncertainty there for a while, but now it's uh, kind of creeping back our way. The Cuyahoga County Commission declared a local state of emergency on Sunday in case Tropical Storm Ian changes its track in the coming days as Lee County continues to monitor the storm. The Cuyahoga Board met in an emergency session and received updates from staff about preparations for the storm. We want to have a framework to move forward and uh, quickly in the event of we see a, a track change, said Dan Summers. The county director of emergency services there are no evacuation orders and no emergency shelters are being opened at this time he said summer said the current forecast has ian becoming a category three or four storm and there's concern that the national hurricane center that when a rapid intensification of a storm it can create variables uh, within the track 
The track on Sunday had in anywhere from 25 to 50 miles offshore when it reaches Collier. There's a 50% chance of higher strength winds and a 15 to 40% chance of flash flooding. Uh, Collier County will uh, post an information notifications at uh, CollierCountyFL.gov. You can also follow it on social media, including Facebook, CollierGov, and uh, Twitter, CollierGov. So uh, keep an eye on this. They always say, of course, the, the real damage is, and, and concern is not necessarily the wind or the rain, but rather the storm surge. And many can be affected by that. So <clears throat> for all of you who live in Collier County or close by on the shore, uh, take care. Governor Ron DeSantis was asked about his thoughts regarding the socialist support in Florida as a press conference on Thursday. So the uh, Adrian Ferguson from Florida's Voice asked, Charlie Crist has been endorsed by a group called Florida Rising, and they're opening, openly pushing for socialism in the state. They tweeted, quote, we say we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight it with socialism. This kind of rhetoric is concerning to Hispanic community here. What are your thoughts? And DeSantis replied, I reject socialism outright. I reject Marxism, Leninism, communism, or any of these isms that have come out of a political theory that based denies, basically denies the worth of each and every individual, denies people's aspirations to reach for the stars, denies the fact that we have inherent God-given rights. The city of Miami is known for the large Cuban population and their anti-communist and anti-socialist principles. Given Many have escaped oppressive government in Cuba. DeSantis reassured the Hispanic community in Miami and patriots across the state of Florida that the radical ideologies of socialism and communism will not be welcome in the free state of Florida. Wow. We will, we're proud in Florida that we have a spine infused with a lot of freedom-loving people in the community, that socialism is not going to happen here. We're not going to remain the nation's refuge. We're going to remain the nation's refuge for freedom, he said. In May, DeSantis signed legislation proclaiming November the 7th as Victims of Communism Day. The law requires Florida high school students to learn about communist regimes and the evils perpetuated by these leaders. Uh, previously reported on organizations including Florida Rising, Run for Something, and Florida Immigration Coalition either advocating for socialism or defunding the police. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. And, uh, you know, definitely he's uh, providing terrific leadership in these uncertain times. Stocks tumbled on Friday to cap a brutal week for financial markets as surging interest rates and foreign currency turmoil heightened fears of a global recession. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 1.62%, the S&P about 1.7%, and the NASDAQ down 1.8%. The Dow notched a new low for the year and closed below 30,000 for the first time in since June the 17th, the 30 stock index ended the day 19.9% down an intraday record, flirting with the bear market territory. At one point, the Dow was down more than 826 points. Everything got creamed uh, on Friday. The major averages capped their fifth negative week in six, with the Dow Jones giving up 4%, the S&P uh, shedding 465 and 7% respectively, the Nasdaqs. It's marked the fourth consecutive session in a row for stocks as the Fed Wednesday enacted another supersized rate hike of, hike of uh, 75 basis points and indicated would do another one in November. So are these the in intended 
or unintended consequences of this uh, presidency. I just wonder. By the way, uh, futures are down. They're actually going up a little bit, but they're down a couple hundred here. I'm talking about the Dow futures uh, at this hour of the morning. The House Republicans recently unveiled commitment to America is important because it shows the country that there's a better way, House Representative Whip Steve Scalise said on Sunday. We don't have to have this uh, new normal where inflation is out of control, energy costs are unaffordable, and we have a border that's so wide open that thousands of people come across every day. Uh, Sunday morning, on, this was on Sunday Morning Futures with, uh, uh, what's her name? <laughs> I've forgotten. People don't even uh, feel safe in their own neighborhoods, and Democrats have gotten us where, uh, with this far-left socialist policies. But with the party's agenda outlined, the show... That shows people that if you elect Republicans to replace Democrats who have been voting for socialism, we can confront these problems, and we're showing the country the bills that we would bring to the Republican House floor to address all problems the President Joe Biden and uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi have brought us, Scalise said. Meanwhile, if Republicans retake control of the House on November in elections, committees will undertake a very robust oversight and investigation accountability push, said Scalise. We're asking a lot of those questions, and we can't get the answers to basic things like how many people have come across our border illegally, where they have been sent, and how many are on the terrorist watch list. Where did the COVID originate and come from, said Scalise. They won't let us have these hearings on these issues, but if we're in the majority, we can subpoena people and have the answers and just refuse to comply right now. That will change on January the 3rd if we're able to take the majority. So the public has a real role right here. They have to vote. And certainly, I hope everybody is planning on voting. Make an informed vote on uh, the the 8th of November. Well, the United States won the uh, President's Cup for the ninth consecutive time on Sunday with Tokyo Olympic champion Xander Shoffley delivering the clinching point and a 17.5 to 12.5 triumph over the internationals. It was quite exciting watch part of it, and boy, it just really inspires, I think, one place where perhaps we've been in such divisive times that we're seeing uh, sports like golf bringing us together. It was really incredible. Trailed the, uh, in defeating Canada's Corey Connors, one up, sinking a three-foot putt on the 18th hole to lift the U.S. squad for the winning point at Quail Hollow in uh, North Carolina. And by the way, Speaker House, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was not so warmly received when she made a surprise guest appearance at the Global Citizens Music Festival in Central Park in New York on Saturday night. She was wearing a white pantsuit and a matching scarf, appeared to be booed as she took the stage to speak briefly. I actually watched it, and from the moment she got on stage, they almost booed her off the stage. The House Speaker was discussing climate change and cutting carbon emissions in the speech, and some booing was audible from the start from the very beginning of the video. As Speaker of the House, I'm here to thank you for your dazzling advocacy and entrepreneurial thinking and determination as global citizens, she told the crowd after her introduction. As boos continued, several hecklers were... Heard yelling, let's go, apparently wanting to get on with the entertainment and get her off the stage. It's a good thing. Maybe canary in the coal mine and what's going to happen on November the 8th. Well, Italian center-right party uh, won its uh, national elections on Sunday, making Georgia Maloney the first female leader in the country's history. She's also a family-oriented, God-fearing, uh, and certainly uh, an advocate for Italy. 
kind of an um, America first, Italy first type of person. So we'll look forward to get the catch up with Mark Schulman on, on the details there. Also, another uh, sign of the times this week, the, the Dilbert cartoon was removed from 77 newspapers across the country because of its messages being anti-woke. A popular comic strip is uh, canned by 77 newspapers after it created its creator, Scott Adams, started incorporating anti-woke po- plot lines, including a black character who identifies as white. Adams' much-loved Dilbert comics have been in circulation since 1989 and frequently pokes fun at office culture, but he also announced he was sensationally dropping, uh, dropped by publisher Lee Enterprises. The media company owns nearly 100 papers across the country, and uh, so now they're not going to publish Dilbert anymore. In fact, his humor is just really fantastic. Uh, it's going to hurt Scott Adams, but you just have to really appreciate his commitment uh, to the truth. But Adams, by the way, has the ability to see through the insanity in today's America, uh, Scott Adams, his, his column will be missed, or his cartoons. He's really good. Coming up, we're going to be uh, the, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 
4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Uh, you can find out more and get tickets by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Scott Cleland, the executive director of Restore Us Institute. Right now, we have with us uh, Mark Schulman. He is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Mark. We're going to talk about current global events and uh, lots going on in Russia. Tensions are really rising. Right, absolutely. Uh, Putin avoided for the longest time having a um, mass conscription because of the war. First of all, he didn't want to admit it's a war. And second of all, he would knew he knew it would create um, real problems at home. And it is. Uh, first of all, the conscription, he announced the conscription of 300,000 uh, new soldiers. Um, and supposedly it was only going to be people with military experience. But they seem to be taking people haphazardly. They're taking people in their 40s and 50s and putting them, I mean, absurd ages. Uh, So far, it's estimated that 300,000 young Russians have left the country in the last uh, week since he made, or less than a week since he made that announcement. He also announced that as as of, they have four more days to leave because as of December 30th, they're not going to allow people of draft age to leave the country. So you can imagine people are paying insane amounts of money. Uh, to get on planes to places they they can go to. Yeah, um, it's so kind of amazing that, that, that apparently the most Googled uh, <laughs> in Russia. How to get out of Russia, basically. You know, yeah. and how to how to break your own arm at home. <laughs> right. Uh, on top of which, there have been demonstrations. Uh, you know, early in the war, there was briefly some demonstrations. Now there are large-scale demonstrations in a lot of places, especially some of the ethnic provinces where he's trying to take more of the people from as opposed to to Moscow. Um, so I would say for the first time that his rule may really be in danger. It's hard to know, obviously, because like I said many times, we don't understand enough of the criminology of you know who's on first and who's on second in, right. in, in that situation. Uh, but um, there's large-scale discontent, let's put it this way. Unrelated, there was a school shooting in, in Russia about two hours ago where it looks like, this is in the Siberian part of Russia, where it looks like at least 13 or 14 kids were killed. Mm. Um, And again, the other part of this, which is somewhat related, is they've been letting large numbers of prisoners out of jail in order to join the army. Mm. Uh, But it's not quite clear that all of them have actually made it into the army. So we don't know who who, who did this um, this as well. Um, They're taking recruits and they're sending them straight to the battle. Without any training or very minimal training, the people are complaining that they, they don't have the minimum um, equipment and are writing home to their families to provide them with something. Um, but by all analysis, even if he was to bring 300,000 troops like this to the war, it would probably be a negative impact on the war as, for them as opposed to a positive. Because yeah, today's yeah, warfare requires trained people, not, you know, this isn't, this isn't World War One or the French Revolution where you just mass people and hope for the best. And he's doubly down, though, in a sense that he wants to annex uh, three provinces in uh, Ukraine, and apparently he's calling for votes 
for uh, right. The votes are taking place now as we speak under the under the rifles of the Russian army. And basically, what he's what he's basically said is, once they become part of Russia, he can use whatever means possible to defend them, i.e., any threat and quite clearly the use of nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this becomes what gets dicey: it, the, how serious do we take his threat, mm-hmm. and, um, and what what should the United States response be if he does use them? Very dicey, very unclear. Um, and you know, his back is to the wall, but. Uh, we obviously can't allow him to blackmail the world either. So uh, how's it going in Ukraine? Ukrainians are continuing a slow but steady um, advance. Um, Putin has taken direct command of making decisions on the battlefield, somewhat similar to Hitler during World War II. And what he's done right now is he's basically... uh, not allow the military to withdraw from Lyman, which is a city that's just about surrounded, and Kherson, which could become surrounded, which is a much bigger city. And his military wanted to withdraw from them. And I think he's taken the wrong lessons from the Battle of Stalingrad in World War II. The Battle of Stalingrad was the turning point of the, on the Russian front, where the Germans tried to take the, the city of Stalingrad, and the Russians fought fought against them for nine months and then they surrounded the German troops. Keeping in mind two things, of course, the, the, the Russians, excuse me, the Germans were at the end of their logistical train and, of course, they were the Russians were fighting on their own soil. Um, and what's happened here is probably the reverse. He thinks he's the Russians not willing to give back, but he's actually the Nazis who are about to be surrounded. Mm. And not allowing his troops to withdraw will end up being, a, will most likely be a catastrophe for the Russian army. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's such an interesting situation right now, so especially with its kind of focuses now on Putin. Hopefully, uh, I mean, he's he's painted himself in a corner, so hopefully he does has, doesn't have an itchy finger when it comes to nuclear warheads. Right. We don't even we don't even know at the moment what the chain of command of using nuclear weapons is. We knew it used to be complicated and required three different people to approve, as opposed to the United States, where the American president can launch a nuclear war all by himself, theoretically at least. Um, the Russians required three different people in three different places to approve. Mm. That used to be during the Cold War. What it is now, we do not know. So which is part of the frightening part of all of this. Absolutely. Mark, I'd like to t- talk about so many other issues. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a multimedia website, terrific website, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Mark, uh, let's talk about what's happening in Iran. Uh, Scary stuff. We've now had a week of demonstrations. It all all started when a young woman uh, was arrested by the morality police and beaten, and she died. And this has set off a series of demonstrations all over Iran, um, and including especially in the ethnic Kurdistan region, in Tehran, everywhere is in Iran. There are now demonstrations calling for A, end to the morality police, but at this point for the end of the regime. It's really unclear where this is going to go in the sense that uh, the Iranian regime could, you know, can easily fire on its own people. We've seen that. We saw that's what happened in Syria. But Syria was a little bit different because Assad had his ethnic um, Alawites, who were, make up only 10% of the Syrians, but they controlled the military and the secret service, and, and so they were particularly loyal to him. Do we have religious extremists who control the military slash security services in Iran with enough people willing to fire on their own? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that will be the test. Um, if the If the army slash security services are not willing to, in large amounts, fire on their own people, then we might actually see a revolution in Iran. If they're willing to, to fire and kill hundreds of their own people, then they'll probably be able to put it down. Uh, and what's your bet? I don't know. You know, <laughs> you're asking a question. Um, I, I, you know me, I, try, I, I think I know a lot about certain matters. I can't really tell you what where that line went where that line is in Iran at this point. Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Yeah. I can give you the parameters, but I can't tell you what they're actually going to ha- what's actually going to happen. Um, you know, both outcomes are very possible, a complete crackdown, end of the demonstrations, end of the riots, enough of them killed that they're not going to think of rioting again for another generation, or this could turn into the real thing. Yeah, they seem to be extremely determined this time. And uh, right now, I, I read this morning that uh, like there's uh, these Iranian guards on motorcycles driving by and shooting people. I mean, that doesn't look like an orchestrated and organized attempt to try and quell a rebellion. Right, not at the moment. And, and that's really the question. You know, we're, 
where does it go at this point? Also, keep in mind that uh, the grand, you know, the grand ayatollah is supposedly very sick. Mm. So that will that complicates matters even more. Uh, either way, yeah. Um, so let's hope for the best because obviously, if there was a revolution and they got rid of these this group of people in Iran, everything would change. So um, interesting. You know, geopolitically, so much would change. Absolutely. And let's keep in mind something else. Important. The Iranians are the only people supporting the Russians really in in their war. They've given them a couple of hundred um, suicide drones that are seem to be working fairly effectively for the Russians. So mm. the Iranians are on the wrong side of everything we believe in. Absolutely. So let's move to the uh, election in Italy. That's kind of interesting. Yes, the right wing government looks like most likely the right won more of the votes in this election. It takes many weeks and maybe even months in Italy to, to actually form a parliament and a government. So we won't see a new government for at least for, for a period of time. Um, it's not clear, you know, why this happened per se. I guess, you know, part of it, of course, is there's this general discontent and fear of the economic situation, the energy situation. Um, be the the leader of this of the right wing party um, is a dynamic, uh, relatively young woman who um, got a lot of support. So we'll have to see where that takes it. Um, the old line right, Bertrelli, has been saying nice things about Putin, and that's sort of been a little bit concerning. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, she seems to be a nationalist. She seems to be a, a folk. Uh, she, you know, it makes me wonder. If perhaps this wouldn't be a threat to the EU. I don't really think so. Italy Italy has done very well economically by being part of the EU. Again, all you know Okay. We need to think about the EU in 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 two or three different vectors. So you have the general vector of the economic union that started with a common market, right? That's mm-hmm. where the EU began. It began as a common market. Actually began as a cold agreement between Germany and France in 1951 or something about then. So the economic aspect of it, basically everybody has done well by the common market. Um, then you have the sort of monetary union, which has had a mixed impact. It, it's been harder on the on the poorer countries because they don't have control of their monetary policy. So you had the Greek pro, Greek crisis, um, and, and that's a little bit problematic. And you have the nationalistic standpoint. And there you have the question, um, you know, they did a survey of, of members of the EU, and people above 35 or so identify themselves first as whatever nationality, whether Belgium or Spanish or whatever it might be, and then citizens of the EU. Younger people below the age of 35 identify themselves as citizens of the EU. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, you know, it's the same. Think back to the United States during the time of the Confederation, and then we had the Constitution. And then you had the situation, of course, with the Civil War, where General Lee said, I'm first a Virginian. Very unlikely, maybe a few Texans, but very unlikely that most Americans would say, I'm first a Floridian, then I'm a, then a, and, then, and then I'm American today. It's getting more and more that way. <laughs> well, maybe in your part of the world, but not in the rest of the country. But, uh, but, but generally speaking, it's not. In other words, yeah. it, it, people, don't, people think identify as an American. And they don't identify. I mean, they, they, they certainly part of a particular state, but also keep in mind the fact that the mobility in the American in America is very, very high. And there are very few people, I mean, were you born in Florida? No. 
Absolutely. Exactly. So I, I guess I, I, the, the real question on my mind is, uh, is, is this a kind of symptom of or canary in the coal mine with regard to growing nationalism, a revolt against the globalist movement here around the globe? It's very hard to say at the moment because there is so much turmoil, particularly because of Ukraine, that it's it's very hard to, to, to look at it in that sort of way. I mean, in one way you can look at it, knowing, for the sake of argument, let's let's assume for the moment the Ukraine wins the war mm-hmm. against Russia. They're obviously going to want to join the EU, and the EU is certainly going to want them as part. They'll want to join NATO, and NATO would be an idiot not to take, you know, probably the most effective army in the world as part of NATO. So on some levels, you're going to have a real strengthening, and you have a strengthening of the EU and the ties that were created. I don't think, again, it's, it's really hard to say um, what does that mean, a rise of nationalism per se. Um, and I, I think we'll have to see. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, is the, what does even globalism mean to some extent? You know, in other words, the fact that you're, everyone's part of, you know, you know members of the, of the world, I think, I think we're going to see things ebb and flow very much as we've seen in history. Mm-hmm. So interesting, Mark. Before I let you go, I want to get your comments on what's happening in Great Britain. Apparently, so Great economic- Britain is interesting. So you have a new form, you have a new, uh, new prime minister, and she has a series of economic measures that she believes will bring back prosperity to, to England or the United Kingdom. Uh, basically, large-scale tax cuts, particularly or almost exclusively on those earning higher incomes. She's gotten pushback, obviously, uh, from some of the other people in the government, but the biggest issue is the question of will British um, will British budget deficits soar at the moment? Because besides for, for this side of it, the government is also um, committed towards uh, subsidizing some of the energy costs, which will become very, very high because of the war in Ukraine. Um, and so... Um, right now, markets in Europe are falling rapidly. Uh, the British pound is almost uh, dropped to the point where it's one-to-one on the dollar. It hasn't quite made it there, but the greatest drop uh, in recent history has taken place in the last uh, last week and the last couple of days. Uh, so the, econom- the um, economics of this are questionable, and the markets are wondering about it. I mean, yeah. there's a greater concern in the markets generally of... Uh, of uh, possibility of, uh, de- of not a depression, but a recession, obviously. So You know, Mark, one, one of the most th- interesting things to me is right now, I would have expected a decline in the value of the dollar. The dollar is strengthening against global currencies. It's very well, strong. Why would you expect it to go down? It's gone up for two reasons, obviously. Number one, the U.S. interest rates have gone up. When interest rates go up, people put money into dollars because they can earn more money in dollars than they can in other currencies. Hmm. So that's number one. Number two, in times of uncertainty, people have to put their money in the dollar because everything's said and done, dollars are, have been, over the last hundred years, the currency of last resort. That's true um, historically, but, but right now we're just watching our economy implode in so many different ways. I mean, well, I would think that... It's not really. That's, it's not really imploding. That's the interesting thing. You're, you're talking... You're talking talking points, but we're, in which way is the American economy imploding? It's not. Unemployment is close to zero. Uh, new factories are being built at a very rapid pace. Mm-hmm. More manufacturing is moving back to the United States. It's not imploding. Well, we the have, we have uh, infl- uh, inflation as well as... Uh, well, but we have inflation rate that's lower than the rest of the world at the moment. Yeah. So, 
so when you think about it, and that's that standpoint, if the inflation rate is lower in the United States, you can put money in dollars. Yeah. So I, I really think you've got to be careful there when you say the American economy is imploding because it's not. Yeah. Well, I, it's it really isn't a combination. You know, give me give me a statistic that shows the American economy is imploding. Well, just a, a recession and inflation at the same time. You can't. Well, we don't have a recession though yet. That's the interesting thing. We may, we have talk. Uh, people are fearing a recession, but we don't have a recession because again, the recessions are usually include particularly large layoffs. We don't have that. Uh-huh. We have record. We have record. Uh, company profits, you don't have that in a recession. Yeah. So we have talk of a recession. Well, and the markets are saying otherwise. <laughs> the markets are fearful. The markets are clearly fearful. There's no question about that. They're more fearful of inflation. They're more, more fearful of the Fed raising rates even higher. Um, I think it's a problem generally with central bankers. They fear inflation more than anything else, and they overcompensate. That yeah, could be. But that's a different story. Mark Schulman again. My friend is a central banker. He would disagree with me, but. Yeah. Mark Schumann, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. It's a terrific website for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Scott Cleland. He is the executive director of Restore Us Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty 
personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. Right now we have with us Scott Cleland. He is the executive director of the Restore Us Institute. Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Scott. Tell us about the Restore Us Institute. We are a nonpartisan nonprofit dedicated to educating the public and government about about how Internet unaccountability policy endangers and harms people and how to fix it. And, uh, you know, our mission is to restore Internet accountability to protect people from online harm. And our, you know, our vision is, is to restore constitutional authority to the U.S. Internet and U.S. policy, uh, because that is the problem we have right now for 26 years. Uh, we have had a, a Wild West Internet policy, which essentially means no government. And there's no liberty. There's no equality there's no justice in anarchy and so we have a big problem and all of the big internet problems that people know like elder fraud is a huge one in uh in florida but all of them have a root cause and it is total unaccountability uh, online and so that's what we focus on thank you for having us on uh certainly indeed and well in fact uh, there's you had a piece in town hall very interesting a Declaration of Independence from Unchecked Technological Tyranny. Now, what's interesting is I've always thought about the uh, the Internet as a, as a free, free market, uh, a wonderful free market development, and uh, as Anadu, in, in fact. Uh, but yet there's so many problems with the Internet. Maybe you could articulate and help us understand through your column uh, what you're talking about. Well, um, it's interesting. I've been doing this for a long time, and what I... Um, realized a, a while back was that uh, what was happening on the internet was was tyranny it wasn't freedom it wasn't liberty uh, and you know i heard on the beginning of your show intro there's there's freedom with responsibility right and um uh, you can't have i mean what they did is i call it primitivist policy is they had well intentions back in the 1990s they wanted to encourage internet adoption and the build out they achieved that goal but they left this policy on autopilot. And then when you have people's behavior guided on no government accountability, I mean, that's the source of, of order in society. And uh, what we have right now is a systemic, broad uh, breakdown in society because all of the deterrences, all the um, things that we have that try to guard against risk aren't there. So. Think about we have surrendered our sovereignty. We have abdicated authority, prohibited police and uh, public safety. We've denied our national defenses. Uh, we have uh, not deterred deterrence. I mean, it is, I call it mindless madness. And so why we have a declaration of independence is there's three main tyrannies here. I want to just real simply say, well, why would we you know, claim that there is tyranny? The first one is the policy, unaccountability policy, inhumanely prioritizes protecting technology over protecting people. It unjustly grants uh, te technology impunity over people. And then the third is it unfairly empowers technology to control and govern people without any rights, due process, or access to justice. 
So, yeah, I mean, and absolutely, of course, anytime you think about the government getting involved, it creates real fears. <laughs> You'd like to, to be, but you do need government. You do need uh, the, the protection of the uh, Constitution for people under the circumstances. What types of changes, what, what type of legislation, what would be the perfect end result of your mission? Thanks. It, uh, it's very simple. When you restore constitutional authority, you go from this anarchy to establishing what we did for 220 years before the 1990s. Mm-hmm. That worked. People know that as the American experiment of uh, government of the people, by the people, for the people. Right now, we have you know anarchy by technology, of technology, poor technology. And it's, um, people don't understand that because the Internet is as advanced as it is, it's ubiquitous, the influence has. And so think of setting of right now where there's no rules, there's no rights, there's no protection under the law. There's uh, you can do whatever you want on the internet. What we're our vision and what we're saying is if you restore constitutional authority, it's very simple. Then we have same rules and rights offline and online. We have equal protection under the law. Mm-hmm. If it's illegal offline, it's illegal online. So if, if there's Section 230 uh, that uh, is very controversial, do you take a position on that? So of course, Section 230 basically says there's uh, uh, protection from Internet companies, social media, uh, for uh, any liability of what's being posted. What are your thoughts? Well, thank you for because it's, a, it's very pertinent to restoreusinstitute.org. This is that why we exist is everybody's focused on Section 230 and focus. Um, they know there's internet problems and they know that uh, the censorship and the misinformation, whichever side you're on, um, that's how you d- define it. But why uh, what we do is important is we have like um, 90 percent of people or even more, 95 percent of the attention is in Section 230 now. There is one internet law covering everything, and that's uh, section, section 230. Uh-huh. And people are rightfully upset with what it does on monitoring uh, or or moderating free speech. The problem uh, that we're addressing is 95% of all the internet problems that people are experiencing, and we can talk about them, you know, it's it's beyond the polarization, it's fraud, it's violence, it's harassment, it's cyberbullying, identity theft, uh, child addiction, uh, depression, uh, ransomware, sex trafficking online. There is a lot of problems. we are the only ones that are focused on the, the 95% of internet problems holistically that are not being addressed holistically. And people don't need us to be the 10,000th voice on Section 230. It, what's happening with Section 230 right now is anybody that has little ones or has been to a, a soccer match with five and six-year-olds, they know that all the little five and six year olds will gather around the ball and then kick each other in the shins or kick the ball. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what Section 230 is right now. Everybody is going around it and focusing on it, and they're missing the forest for the trees. I'm not saying that the Section 230 stuff isn't really important. We can tell you why it's problematic. But what the problem really has is big tech knows that if they keep people focused on that, they won't look at everything else. And that is why America is worsening in almost every dimension is because law and order, there's no rule of law online. 
There's no rights online. Yep. It's chaos. Well, you know what? That's kind of parallels what's happening in society in some ways. So it's yeah. it's a big constitutional issue, and I certainly agree with you. Uh, again, uh, Scott Cleland, uh, Restore Us Institute. Uh, you have a website? Yes, sir. RestoreUsInstitute.org. And there you can see our petition and to sign the Declaration uh, of Independence on that. You can join our move, our Mindful Many movement, and please donate. Scott, I really appreciate your uh, commentary here on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many novels. His latest, No Problem, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. Since he retired, he wrote uh, uh, Follow the Leader. Uh, Shake the Money Tree, and now his latest, uh, No Problem, Three Great Murder Mysteries. Uh, Jim McDegg, again, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure, uh, Bob. You know, the um, I, my mantra is my life is murder. <laughs> I take oh, I, the plots from my novels come from actual headlines. So if you read them and say, this is impossible, I have the news clips to show that it's <laughs> happened already. So, so I'm... So I'm reading um, 
I'm reading crime news uh, as we speak. I read it every day. And uh, there's a really interesting story in the Washington Post today, a political story, uh-huh. about how Republicans are capitalizing on the rise in crime in, in our cities, in their uh, midterm election advertising, and how Democrats say that it's uh, subtly racist, you know, uh, but anyway, it's it's been very effective. Uh, and it just struck me that the Democrats don't get it. They're so afraid to talk about young blacks with guns terrorizing communities. Uh, they choose to ignore it. And, um, you know, there was, a, there was a recent murder in Philadelphia, a Temple University graduate at age 21 named Everett Beauregard, uh, was just walking down a street a little after midnight. He was returning from a party. He passed a young black guy who was wearing a hood and a, and a um, surgical mask. And as he passed, this young guy turned, pulled a gun out of his hoodie, and shot Beauregard in the back of the head and, and killed him immediately. Huh. Um, now, it, it's that's bad timing for the... Uh, Democrats in Pennsylvania, because uh, uh, Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, who is running for the Senate, has been characterizing his opponent, John Fetterman, in advertisements as being soft on crime. Um, Let me add, by the way, though, that uh, most of the victims of these crimes are, are, are other black people. And, and these these guys are just terrorizing entire communities. I mean, people are afraid to go sit on their steps uh, for yeah. fear of being hit by a stray bullet. And it 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 all goes back to the defund the police movement. So I think there's good reason for Democrats to try to ignore that story. So it got it got me look exploring the polls. Yeah, the, the term polls. Uh, you can't, you can't believe them. They must be worded uh, weirdly. But if you go, one of my favorite websites is called Real Clear Politics. Sure. And they keep track of all the polls. And, and I had to laugh out loud. I mean, uh, Biden is so unpopular that in a generic, you know, if there were a, a contest today for president, Trump would beat Biden, which I find hard to believe because I think both of them are clowns. But as I as I think about it, I think your average person believes that's a fantasy matchup. You know, Joe Biden is not going to run again. He's too old. Uh, Donald Trump is, even if he runs, is too divisive to, to pull to get a majority in, in what would probably be a, a three-man race. So I think uh, the voters are expressing their extreme distaste with the Democratic Party and that the polls uh, looking at the races for Congress and the Senate, which show many of them to be in a dead heat, I think are are misleading. Of course. Um, You know, I'll make this comment just back to your initial premise, which I think is absolutely correct. At least the Democrats are consistent. They're saying, you know, uh, that uh, it's it's slightly racist. Well, the reason why we've had this change in policy and redirecting the budgets uh, to to, uh, reimagine the police and all this nonsense is because uh, they considered uh, the current policy of law and order to be racist. 
So <laughs> at least they're consistent in that way. Of course, what we're finding out is the public is saying, no, it's not racist. We want protection. We want to feel safe. We want to be able to uh, have know that we're going to be safe in our streets. So uh, we want law and order. Yeah, I don't think that the average person in these inner city communities is getting a voice in this. Um, you know, uh, I used to live in Washington, D.C., which is a, a multiracial, multicultural city. So I would interact uh, with lots of people. I've, I have African-American friends. Uh, and I used to uh, collect money for the Knights of Columbus for uh, dis- uh, mentally disabled people. And I always found that your average black person, when I was collecting money, was far more generous than white people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they're church-going people. Uh, 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 most of them are devout Christians, and and these are the people that are being victimized uh, by the crime. And the liberal press is not giving them a voice. You never really read about them. Uh, you know, uh, they, they become a statistic. Yeah. So, uh, so now, now I went on from crime. I, I, I read the New York Times so so uh, normal people don't have to. And there was a really in, two interesting stories on electric cars. And the first one was uh, a Times reporter taking his. Uh, Ford Mustang electric car on a trip through Quebec, which has uh, uh, um, enough uh, charging stations that, that it should satisfy any electric car owner that they're, they're not going to get stuck in the middle of nowhere. And what struck me immediately, and I didn't notice, was that the Mustang supposedly gets 300 miles on a charge, mm-hmm. but the manufacturers say you shouldn't charge a car fully. You should only charge it to 70 or 75% to prolong the life of the battery. So you're only getting 200 miles. <laughs> and, and and when you when you go to a charging station, be prepared to sit at a picnic table and, you know, shoot the breeze with other motorists who have to wait about an hour or so for the car to be fully charged and you go on your way. So, so, so then... The Times has another story about how in China, electric cars are the rage. People are not buying gasoline cars anymore. And and China, you know, can keep costs low because it has all the strategic metals. Yep. Two of its battery companies are the largest manufacturers in the world. And, and guess what? They, they note, without serious comment, China has begun exporting its electric cars around the world. Now, to me, that is alarming. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> China is going to end up dominating the electric car market. And here we are sitting on all this oil and gas. Uh, we could have devised a, a clean fossil fuel, I believe, to, to meet environmental standards. But we're handing our electric car future over to China. That's right. Cars can be... The program. <laughs> you know, I had, had one, con- one commentary on the show, an interesting uh, commentary that says that uh, we've actually given our advanced technology on batteries to China, given it to them. They didn't steal it. They gave it. To- we gave it to them. Unbelievable. Uh, so, Jim, you know, I always appreciate your commentary. This has been such an interesting conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And again, uh, latest book, 
Follow uh, No Problem by Jim McTagg. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got great guests for tomorrow, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, uh, Dr. Chad Savage from Your Choice Direct Care, Seton Motley, uh, the founder and president of Less Government. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>